KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. The Pennsylvania Legislative Reapportionment Committee has made an important decision in the midst of redistricting with regards to incarcerated people. Up until now in Pennsylvania, they've been counted as residing where they are incarcerated. But now when it comes to state legislative districts, they will be counted as a resident of where they live when not incarcerated. We wanted to talk more about what is called prison gerrymandering, so we caught up with Dr. Rory Kramer. He is an associate professor of sociology and criminology at Villanova University. He has studied this extensively, really important conversation. Give a listen. So to start, for people that aren't familiar that are coming into this cold, just explain the concept of prison gerrymandering. What is it? Every 10 years, we realize that our population changes. People move, people have babies, sadly people die, uh, and we need to redistrict and create new sets of boundaries for our electoral process in order to make sure that they're about equal in population. Uh, One of the problems with that is how do you count people who are incarcerated? And so prison gerrymandering is recognizing that as society moved into a world of mass criminalization and mass incarceration in the United States, uh, that was starting to affect district boundaries because we move someone from city A across the state into rural area B or city B. And that might be in a different congressional district or a different state house district, but they're being counted as living where they're incarcerated, but they don't have any connections to where they're incarcerated, right? They don't go to that town. They don't use those roads. They are behind a fence and not really considered a resident of that area. It's also a problem because we know we incarcerate disproportionately people of color and prisons are more often than not located in uh, white parts of states. So we're moving Black and Latinx people out of where they think of as home, taking people out of their communities, so there's less representation for their community, and moving them into these places that uh, don't interact with them, and propping up uh, white voter power. So the Pennsylvania Legislative Reapportionment Committee I think I got that correct. You did. Uh, They're the people, the group that draws the legislative districts. And they just recently voted, to your point, to actually count prisoners as residents of where they came from, not where they are incarcerated. How big is this? So big is, uh, is, is multiple. There are multiple ways of thinking about the idea of big. Right. In terms of the philosophical question, it's massive. Right. This is a really significant step towards recognizing that incarceration harms our democracy. Um, And that's not just about how it harms the people who are incarcerated, but the people who live down the street from them. More often than not, the victims of their crimes, if it was a crime with a victim, was someone who lived nearby and probably lived in their original neighborhood. So it's harming them. In terms of effect on particular district boundaries, it doesn't have to be very large. This is one of those things that's actually pretty easy to fix, a relatively small effect on everyone's day-to-day life, but really substantial in terms of what it does in terms of equaling out representation and really treating people justly. About how many people are we talking? Yeah. So in total in Pennsylvania, 
right? Where 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 a a state of about 13 million people in total, we have about 70,000 people who are incarcerated at the time of the 2020 census. Um, about half of those, roughly, are in state facilities. Those are the only ones that the LRC had good data. And so those are the only ones that they'll be returning to their original home communities. And so we're looking at somewhere around 35,000-ish that will actually get returned to their proper communities. And just so we're clear, the idea of counting prisoners in their home areas as opposed to where they are incarcerated. This only affects maps with regards to state house and state senate, not congressional maps, correct? Right, it does. The LRC only is in charge of state level redistricting. So they're in charge of who goes to Harrisburg. The decision for who goes to Congress or how we drop the districts for who goes to Congress is done by the legislature itself in Pennsylvania. Um, so that's going to go through a traditional political process. And what comes of that, I do not know. Uh, there, there isn't really any clear momentum in any direction about how incarceration will affect that. The, the one little positive, if you will, about that is because congressional districts are so large, it, it's, and because Pennsylvania's uh, prison facilities are kind of spread out throughout the map of Pennsylvania, you can't pack a lot of those incarcerated people into a single congressional district very easily. So historically, it hasn't affected Pennsylvania congressional districts. It probably won't in 2020 to a significant effect, but just kind of morally, we should still change that even for those much larger districts. And we also should get that process out of the political party's hands in general. What kind of an impact? I mean, in the scale of the total population, it seems like a small number, but mm -hmm. we also see elections move on small numbers, especially as you go down the ballot. So what kind of impact could this change have? So part of this is going to depend on how much the LRC decides to change district boundaries in general, right? There, there are changes every 10 years. Well, we looked at the 2010 boundaries, the ones that we're currently in, uh, and we looked at them as they were, and then we said, okay, but what if we returned incarcerated people to their home communities? What we found was that there were four state house districts that would definitively have to get redrawn because they were too small, if not for those incarcerated people being in them in a jail. That's out of 203 districts. There were also four districts that were too big once we returned people. Right, because so many of their population were being sent away to be incarcerated somewhere else. The important thing about that is that the four that were too big, three of them are right next to each other, and they're in North Philadelphia, in a disproportionately Black part of Philadelphia, um, which is not surprising given what we know about segregation and mass incarceration. But what it does mean is there'd be one more legislator, more most likely, uh, in Harrisburg, who was representing those types of communities. Would that change everything or anything? I don't know. But it does mean there's another person who would be on the ground working with the families of people who are incarcerating, working with the people living in these, these neighborhoods that have been uh, underrepresented for generations, uh, caring about them. So I'm curious, because this Sounds to me, when it's presented to you, to me as a layman, as a no-brainer. Well, of course, you would count. So I'm curious, feature or bug of how this had been 
operating previously? Was this something that just a lot of people just didn't really consider? And then, well, we'll just do this and figure it out later. And it kind of became the norm and it was just continued because, well, that's how it's always been done. Or was this done under the idea of this is a way to keep uh, my district stronger and, and not have to be as accountable? So in general, I would say bug, right? Um, so the census has been counting people who are incarcerated as having a usual resonance of being their prison or their jail from the beginning of the census 200 and something years ago. That's, that's been what the census did. It didn't have substantial effects on most districts until the era of mass incarceration, really until the 21st century, right? Uh, so that in that way, it's a bug. In another way, it's a feature. There are examples. The most extreme example was in Florida where uh, they redrew the map specifically to pack five prisons into one district to affect the outcome of that. So it can be, it has been used as a feature. In Pennsylvania, there's one district where they, it, it's District 150, State House District 150. Uh, the um, SCI Phoenix, formerly SCI Greaterford, which is one of the largest uh, prisons in Pennsylvania, and the Montgomery Jail were drawn in to be in the same district. So it may have been intentional there. But as uh, no one ever said, when you are incarcerated, we think we should take away your representation. That aspect of it was a bug. It's been used as a feature since sometimes. So... How long has the push been on to make this change? I know I, I think you testified before the committee or provided yes. you know, information to the committee. Uh, how long is this something that people have looked at and said this should be changed? Has it been really, as you mentioned, since the U.S. kind of exploded with regards to mass incarceration? I, I think of it as having kind of two stages. I think... Uh, people who were incarcerated. And when we were talking about this over the past couple of years in presentations um, and community forums, uh, people who were incarcerated would come up to us and say, we're glad we have, you guys have the numbers. We've been talking about this since the 90s in the art because they knew, they lived the experience. They knew what it was doing. They knew that the legislator where they were incarcerated didn't consider them constituents. And they knew that the legislator for where they came from was being overworked with all this additional burden. Um, in terms of publicly, uh, I got to give uh, the Prison Policy Initiative a lot of credit for really bringing this, uh, bringing attention to this. And there's been a, a gradual push, I'd say, over the last 15 years that was very slow at first, but a couple states jumped on it pretty quickly. California, New York, and Maryland kind of started this up. Uh, and then over the past two or three years, that groundwork has really sped up dramatically with the 2020 redistricting so that now 11 states legislatively uh, have said, we are going to count people in their home communities, not where they're incarcerated. Pennsylvania is the first state to make that decision uh, via their um, redistricting commission itself, which is kind of exciting because it, it shows a, a couple other states that are considering this, like you you actually can do this through the commission. It doesn't have to be legislated if the legislature was dragging its feet on the issue. Any pushback the other way? 
that you know of? Has there been pushback to people that say this isn't right or people that I, I would imagine are going to be adversely affected by not having that population counted in their district or in their community or in their area? So one of the co-sponsors of legislation that didn't get passed um, in, Pencil- in Pennsylvania is the representative of one of the districts that was too small, if not for a prison. Actually, we, we met him and I said, oh, no, it's your district. And he said, I know it's fine. It's right. So for a lot of people, just kind of the no-brainer effect kicks in. There is this presumption that it's uh, partisan, right, because of who is being incarcerated and, and where uh, prisons often are located. In Pennsylvania, it wasn't. Two of the districts were represented by Republicans and two of the districts were represented by Democrats. One of the four was a swing that had been represented by Democrats and Republicans um, in the past decade. Um, it doesn't have to be partisan, but there is kind of a fear that this, there's a partisanship to this. You know, it was a three to two vote on partisan lines and then Nordenberg broke the, the split, the independent uh, chair of the commission. I, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but I will. I've heard, I've been looking for the counter argument. Often I'm asked, well, what's the counter argument? And I haven't heard one that isn't based on a misrepresentation of how the census or redistricting works. So there is pushback out of this fear, I'm going to lose power, but there hasn't been pushback based on here's a strong argument for why they should be counted there. Because again, it doesn't just count, it doesn't just affect their representation, it's affecting the representation of the people in those few districts, right? They're only 20 something state prison facilities. So there are only a couple dozen at most districts that are benefiting from this. Most of rural Pennsylvania is losing power to these couple winners. All of Most of suburban Pennsylvania is losing power to this. Pretty much all of urban Pennsylvania is losing power to these couple winners, if you will. The, the closest I've gotten to a counter argument is, well, what about college students or military? And there are a couple, the census has changed how it counts them over the years. It has adjusted to the fact that in the 18th century, in the 1700s, there were not very many college students and we did not have a standing army, really. Um, and so it has changed how it counts them once college became popular, once the military grew to the size that it did. But they also get to choose. College students pick. I remember when I was in college for the 2000 census, and my college town was pushing me to count as living in my college town because they wanted the extra population. Incarcerated people don't get to make that choice. That's taken from them and from their home communities. It, it's just, it's an apples to oranges comparison. I think you mentioned 11 states have mm-hmm. gone in this direction. Is this something we should see more and more states be going in this direction, especially as you mentioned, kind of Pennsylvania showing it doesn't have to be legislative. A commission can do it and be adults yeah. and stuff like that. <sighs> Being adult, something that is weird to hear in politics today. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I know there are at least three or four states that are, are discussing what to do about this. Um, I know Montana's discussing it. I know Michigan's been discussing it. I know there are people on the ground in uh, Missouri, and I'm going to come up with non-M states. Um, New Mexico has discussed it. So, so there, is, there are pushes in other states. And, I, and one of the things that I would say to people who are, who are worried about this, like you said, it's a no-brainer. Um, if you fix it as part of your redistricting process, you control through your normal redistricting process what happens. If you don't fix it, 
there's grounds for a lawsuit potentially, right? And then your normal redistricting doesn't get to make the decision. It'll go through the, the legal, the judiciary. And, and no one wants that. Everyone wants this to be a more democratic process. So let's all just kind of make this change, make your small tweaks to the borders that you'd have to make because of that, um, and really create more equitable and just districts for everybody. That's my pitch. And when do you expect, where, or I shouldn't say when do you, when, should, when do we see the maps? When will they be out? Right. Uh, so I, I wish I could just magically say that, but my understanding of this is, is basically the goal is by March, this needs to be finalized roughly because we need to know what the districts are so people can decide whether or not to run and in what district. As I understand it, the code is they, have, they expect to spend another month or so making sure the data is all good, all the data, including the prison reallocation stuff. Once that's done, they have 90 days from saying, okay, the data is good to go. They have 90 days to produce maps to discuss and then uh, make decisions on. So we should be seeing them in the fall or early winter. We should start seeing, I would expect, kind of draft maps um, for people to look at and evaluate. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.